Welcome to the Leadership Raccoon Podcast, creatively overcoming the barriers to great leadership. Today, we're going to discuss trust and competence, specifically how competence relates to establishing trust with our employees. Mike, when I think of when I think of trust, competence is not the first word that comes to mind. I think integrity, loyalty, things like that. But the more and more research I read, competence is actually key to building trust in our in our organization, at our business, at our house. Could you talk to us a little bit more about a little bit about why competence is so important in a business setting? Brooks, you know we we put out our leadership periodic elements of the leadership uh, chart and uh, in the chart competency is uh, one of those elements but it's in the group or uh, a list of uh, family of, of elements that are be trustworthy and the reason you don't hear about it a lot it's a it's a slippery subject this one's um, this one is is probably a little uh, tougher to talk about than uh, the others that we've already talked about. The reason for that is um, uh, that we can get into, but one of them is that sometimes competency, uh, being competent sometimes is absolutely crucial as a leader, and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's some work being, a little bit of work being done on that, not enough actually. Uh, the other thing is that there is also what I call a competency trap, which we can get into. And that's got two parts to it. One of them is that uh, as individuals, we can fool ourselves on competency. And then the, um, uh, on the organizational level, uh, there's uh, some real problems with organizations that will put competency at the top of their selection procedures. Mm. Uh, they're overlooking a lot of the human aspects. Right. Uh, the personal attributes, relationship ability, all that stuff. But anyway, we can get into that. But that's, uh, anyway, competency is a, a rather slippery eel. So the first one you mentioned, I want to jump on that one. That that side of it, and I was going back to the same article, um, two professors at Cornell did some research, and they found out that the least competent people often end up in charge because they're overconfident about their abilities. And you've named one of my You've named actually my favorite psychological study. Okay. This was two guys. Um, uh, I met one of them uh, named Dunning and Kruger. Yes. And this is actually called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is uh, the more incompetent you are in certain areas, mm-hmm. uh, the more competent you think you are. And the way they did that study was they took uh, four groups of, uh, or numerous groups of people, but they studied and gave them tests and assessments in four areas, logic and humor, um, uh, some other areas. And, and uh, then they ranked those people. And what was interesting, they would ask the bottom 25%, which is the psycho- psychological definition of incompetency or the, the bottom 25% of any mm-hmm. group. And they asked them, where do you think you, uh, you fit on the spectrum? And, of course, they're... You know, the average 12.5% of that bottom 25 thinks they're at the 66% plus level. So um, even when they would mix the incompetence with the highly competent, the top 10 percenters in a setting, and they would talk about um, grammar, if it was grammar they were testing or logic Mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, the bottom 25% still could not differentiate that they were less competent than the others. 
So it's called, actually uh, called the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. You can look it up in uh, Wikipedia, but it's a fascinating area. Now, I know I am not Tiger Woods in golf. Right. Uh, the reason the Dunning-Kruger doesn't fit that is I can see it. Uh, I can grade myself with a scorecard. I go out on the But you golf might be course. able to beat Tiger now. He hasn't played in well, years. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, I've got, I shouldn't put myself down like this. <laughs> yeah, you never know right now. So uh, where something is quite visible like that, um, then I can accurately measure my competence. Right. But when it comes to the things we get involved with on a daily basis in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, how well am I getting along? Do I get along with people? Um, how well do I coach others? How well, All these things, the, this uh, Dunning-Kruger effect comes into effect. And so what happens is uh, the article you referred to mm-hmm. is a recent one in which they looked at uh, the bottom 25%, because they are so unaware of their incompetence, think they are competent. And therefore, in organizations, when somebody's looking for uh, a person to lead a group uh, on some subject, okay. these people are the first to raise their hands because yep. they think they are competent. And many organizations will reward that initiative as mm-hmm. opposed to really having done better selection um, on on putting together teams and so forth. That's a long-winded answer, but this is a, it's a really a fascinating So area. I'd like to continue to go down that path one step further. So now let's say I'm the incompetent leader. I hope I'm not, but right. let's say in this scenario I am. And I volunteer and I've taken this, and a couple weeks into it, I'm struggling because I'm not really that strong at this area. Maybe it's a technical uh, deficiency I have, and my team is seeing through that. You know, Brooks doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, can you can you talk about in your experience what kind of impact does that have on an organization when you have the type of lead, when you have that incompetent or you know maybe not incompetent but just not the best person to lead a group? What that does psychologically to the staff to the group? Well, it's really paralyzing. I, I mentioned earlier uh, in an earlier podcast I did a study of eight thousand bosses one time and. Uh, really analyzed that bottom 25%, again, the incompetence, and um, found that uh, uh, widely disliked for a whole host of reasons, either they're autocratic or mm-hmm. they're, um, uh, they're try to be best buddy bosses, uh, meaning uh, try to be your best friend and not, have, not give you air cover, um, or they're micromanagers or some combination of those three. Well, that, that, as you can see, that's disruptive. That, that's keeping those employees from performing at their best. Um, It's hard for people to believe this who have had a worse boss. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I've I've talked to uh, uh, over 1,200 people that have have had a worse boss. Uh, But that boss was unaware that they were a really bad boss. Um, and how do I know that? Well, in my studies, but also in talking with the, uh, the assess- leadership assessment companies like Gallup, Talent Plus, Conexa, and so forth, uh, the one common denominator that all those bad bosses uh, or bad leaders have is a lack of self-awareness. So again, you're back to this, uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect uh, right. in terms of their view of how well they lead. 
um, is totally different than the reality at hand. And again, it does severely affect performance because you're not going to be creative if you're working for an autocrat, for example. So mm-hmm. Therefore, your, your personal performance won't be so high. Right. So, Mike, jumping back to the second part, sometimes competence is really critical and other times it's not. How do we, how do we navigate that? How do we navigate and know? I'll give you my rule of thumb um, where there were some um, interesting studies done um, recently and they, and they uh, published in the Journal of Applied Psychology and it was on teamwork. Hmm. Um, and what they discovered was that the a team's performance um, was uh, directly applicable to the competence of the team leader in that area. And um, so, for example, if you've got a team working on um, some engineering problem, um, even though a temporary team leader may not have all the best leadership skills, having uh, the highest level of competence in that uh, will help him guide that team better. So there's an example of uh, when, you're, when you're working with teams, forming teams, um, look at trying to put that most competent team member in charge of the team or, or at least setting, uh, setting the agenda or, or being an, um, a kibitzer on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's very important. Um, but when it comes to leadership, again, let's go back to leadership in the workplace. If you're a first-line supervisor, a front-line supervisor, um, sometimes it really doesn't matter that much how competent you are. And the reason is that if you're a good leader, that means you are self-aware. Uh, you understand your shortcomings and shortfalls. Uh, and if you're not uh, totally competent, uh, running a group of, let's say, nuclear physicists in your section, right? Um, just admitting that. You admit that to him. That's a natural thing you do as a good leader. You know, gee, guys, I'm not the, the uh, as, as up as you are, I'm going to rely heavily on you. And this. So just by doing that, um, uh, you're, you're not trying to be somebody you aren't. Right. You're establishing credibility, you're establishing credibility. which is key to trust. Yeah. And you went, uh, you were, you went through the military, and, mm-hmm. and you can recall uh, being an officer. You're always thrown into a situation like I remember commanding a, uh, a missile site uh, more than four decades ago, right here where we're doing this podcast in Gaithersburg. The uh, uh, I had to go in there. I did not understand all the hydraulic systems. I didn't understand all the electronics. I certainly didn't understand anything about warheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet I was the person completely in charge of this thing. Right. So what did I have to do? I had to rely heavily mm-hmm. on the expertise below, the NCOs and the mm-hmm. warrant officers and so forth. And I'm sure when you weren't doing that, you were probably reading manuals and you were studying to build your competence. Right. Exactly. Because it's, it's, it's both, right? Because an effective leader, because I was actually in a similar situation as a commander in the Army where a commander had been relieved and I was put in charge. And the, the colonel said to me, don't worry about what we do. Just go lead. And I thought to myself, well, I can't lead if I don't know anything about. So I had to learn. I had to prepare myself while I was doing my best as a leader. I had to be proficient enough to lead so that my soldiers looked at me and said, you know, sir, how do we perform X task? I could speak to it. Because if I don't, I lose credibility in the face of my team and they've lost confidence in me, which means they're losing trust in me. 
Absolutely. Great leadership point, because um, if you are not the most competent in your trade or your craft, then obviously you want to school yourself up as much as you can. All the, always uh, work on it, learn more, and others see that. Uh, the people mm-hmm. who work for you see that, and that does instill confidence in them. Um, it, and in a way, it goes back to this self-awareness thing. You're, you're showing them you want to be better. Um, and they really, uh, people who work for you fully appreciate that rather than the exact opposite boss that pretends that they're perfect. Right. Right. Um, so that's, that's really crucial. So I'd say in, in, you know, one, uh, on this discussion of competency, uh, always work to, to get your skills up, uh, to, uh, in most cases in management today, you do not have to be the most competent person with the skills of, a, of an organization or a unit that you're heading up. It's, okay. In other words, it's not there right at the top. Yeah, that was now, there's, a, there's another exception on this one. Uh, the guy that headed up leadership at West Point did a study where uh, under normal circumstances, uh, competence is not uh, anywhere near the top on a scale that uh, subordinates look for. Mm-hmm. Remember the things you threw out, integrity and so mm-hmm. forth, yep. uh, are right, integrity, up, loyalty, right there at the top. Yep, absolutely. It's probably self-service. Absolutely. But what they found is as soon as you get into a life-threatening situation, mm-hmm. suddenly competence becomes number one. Right. And why? Well, think about it. If you were, uh, He was studying combat, but let's say you go into combat, uh, suddenly you want to make sure your, your platoon sergeant, platoon leader, uh, know more about um, using military equipment, using uh, uh, arms. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're a better shot. They right. they know how to protect people in uh, That's a in ambushes. Right. So suddenly that one flies to the top. And it's also for uh, not everybody's in the military. But let's say you take a, a parachute course. Uh, don't you want that person teaching you and jumping with you? Um, on your first dive to be the single most competent mm-hmm. skydiver in the history of the world. Of mm-hmm. course you do. And same thing with firemen and, and so forth. So there's another exception to the competence rule. It's not so important in the workplace day-to-day in mm-hmm. general. But in cases of uh, being under threat or, or working in teams, mm-hmm. competence is more important. And, and we all have those days or weeks at work where things do get stressful and there's pressures on you and it's not wartime uh both you know, we've experienced wartime we know what that stress is like and i, I love that example by the way because i that really resonates with me because i remember um your your garrison or when you're back on the base your soldiers love you if you get them off of work early or if you know we take it easy on pt for a day but those same soldiers are criticizing you at war. Why didn't we run harder? Why would why why can't I put my gas mask on in ten seconds like we're supposed to be able to, sir? And, and those were the things, luckily, that I was worried about. But it's easy to get confused between the two. But at work, you know, in my in my my job now, there's times where people look to me and go, "I we need help. Yeah. Lead us. You know, how do we get through this? I need help with this technical piece, not." Brooks, can you be authentic and charismatic and influence? But I need your help to do this. And that's where it would be crucial. That's a great, I love the field versus garrison analogy because that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the split out. But uh, let's say they're uh, under pressure, organization under pressure, going through transformation, going through a lot of competitive pressures, then uh, they, they, they look for that 
competence. If you don't have it, then that's where you have to be big enough to know where it is and uh, reach out to get it and to get support from help from others. So, right. so again, it's all of these leadership elements uh, right, somewhat intertwined. Yeah, one, so- you know, one last thing on this is uh, I work with uh, mission-driven organizations, mm-hmm. highly mission-driven, like uh, uh, I've worked with the uh, U.S. Marshals. I mean, it's a scrappy group. I've worked with uh, SOCOM, mm-hmm. uh, the Special Forces people, the intelligence community, and so on. The more mission-driven one of those organizations is, the more they focus on competence for selection of leaders. Right. And the more it gets them in trouble. Mm. And the reason is if you're selecting the best analysts to be the boss of a group, maybe that's good, maybe it's not. Are you selecting the person with the best leadership attributes? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because you're... You may be randomly selecting for that, but you're selecting for competence, not for leadership attributes. And this is where they get themselves in trouble. So they'll get a larger percentage of poor and awful bosses as a result of that. They're super in their field, um, and and that's why they promoted them, because they are so mission-driven. They can't imagine not having the best analyst, best case officer, uh, best uh, combat person in another example uh to head up head up that unit because that's so important that Mm -hmm. mission is so important to them but it's something to think about um uh when you're selecting people for leadership positions is always look for those people skills that iq right in addition to the competence if the competence is is that important to them that 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 just and just to wrap it up with a see if i comprehended that well the in one of my other jobs, I, I coach football. And when you think about coaching, a lot of the best coaches are former players that weren't great players. So they weren't the best player, but they really pushed to understand the game and they became great coaches. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is some of the great players aren't great coaches because they don't know how to, they just do it. They understand, it's, it, it's innate to them, right? So sometimes the, those people struggle to be leaders because they don't know why you're not getting it. Why don't you understand this concept? I understand it. I, I can just do it. And I think we want leaders that can relate to all employees and not just the elite employees. That's Is that a, fair to that's say? That's a great example. Think about if you plucked out the uh, 10 uh, NFL players mm-hmm. and you made them all coaches. Right. What a disaster you could have. You know, there's an old saw in closing on uh, uh, if you're uh, you're looking at a, a new sales force uh you want to put somebody in charge of that so what do you tend to do you tend to take your best salesman salesman, and you promote them to be the manager of of the sales outfit Mm -hmm. so the old saying is well you just um, manage to uh, foul up uh, and hire a bad leader uh, and in doing so you lost your best salesman at the same time Mm -hmm. people got different skills Definitely different skills, but competence is important. Don't overlook it. Analyze yourself and work on your skill set and your individual work. That's it for this section of the Leadership Raccoon. You can find us at leadershipraccoon.com or also on Facebook and Twitter. Check out our blogs, our podcast, and a lot of great material from Mike Mears is on sale, um, located on our website as well. 